podcast. This is Matt Shalava, and you're listening to the Road to Freedom Pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt Shalava. And it is Wednesday, and that kind of came as a surprise to me today. I don't know why, but I was kind of stuck on Tuesday, and I thought it was Tuesday for most of the day. And I looked down at my watch, saw it was Wednesday. And that means that we are halfway through the week, and we're almost at the weekend at this point because uh, right now I'm on my way home from work. So. It's Thursday, Friday, and then we have the weekend, and those are really good days for me to be able to get a lot done. I'm usually able to grind a lot on Saturday, Sunday, and get a lot of things done, and I've been trying really hard as, to try and get as much done during the weeknights as well. It's Those are super critical because if you're consistent every night and you're getting things done, success comes to you as long as you're doing the right things and you're on the right path. So that's what I've really been trying to work on, and things have been... A little bit slower than I would have liked, but things have picked up a little bit. I've gotten more offers and stuff on my eBay store. I would like to get a few more. I'm going to have to send out offers at some point where I have like 50 offers sitting there. It's like send out offers to buyers. And I used to do that every day at lunch and things have gotten busier. I do a lot of Instagram during lunch. And so now I don't really do that many offers. And it shows because I'm not making as many sales. And all those offers, those things play into the amount, like like this is just me kind of thinking right now about it, but those play into the amount of sales you're gonna make, not just because the offers make sales, but never forget sending offers, receiving offers and stuff and encountering, those generate a lot of sales because it brings a lot of activity into your eBay store. So I actually may go and do that as soon as I get home, depending on what I end up getting myself into and stuff. I have a lot going on tonight. I think my grandparents are coming for dinner and stuff. So just a lot of of busyness. But um, as soon as I kind of get away from everything and kind of get to work, I will probably get some of those offers sent out, if at least just maybe half, and then maybe tomorrow morning do the other half. But uh, I was encouraged today to see that I got a couple offers in on items. They weren't the best. They I didn't end up taking them. I probably should have looking back on it, and that's something that I just need to keep fine-tuning. Um, trying to get buyers to come up in price is oftentimes not easy. And I think a lot of people don't really understand negotiation, so they just offer their max. And then whenever you send them a counter, they're like, well, that's way too high. And they don't do anything because they already offer their max. So it makes sense. I mean, think about it. If you're going to offer somebody for something, you just, okay, well, I'll throw out a random offer. And if they accept it, great. If not, I don't need it anyway. And so I imagine a lot of them end up doing that. And for us, if it's like an, an item that's been sitting for a while, which this was, and it's been probably over a year at this point, I should have just taken it. That would have made so much sense. But instead, I didn't counter, or I did counter, and it was stupid because they declined the offer. They never sent me like a counter offer. Like if they would have sent me 60 bucks again for the item, I probably would have taken it. So uh, just a lesson to learn there, and we kind of always have that happen throughout reselling you kind of get a little too far over your skis with items and trying to send counter offers and stuff and it ends up coming back to bite you at some points so that is really my day in a nutshell there was two releases today and one of them was kind of gross in my opinion the other one was decent and it wasn't the ones that you would think were going to be good so i saw a lot of hype for the nike auto adapt basketball 2.0s and they're basically like the air mags that came out for uh, they came out i'm pretty sure for back to the future whenever they made that movie nike put out this crazy shoe i don't know how many pairs there are but it's now 
way it's like worth over 50 grand at this point i don't know what the evaluation of the shoe is but it's very very valuable because it is like a fully automatic like self-tying shoe and like the laces don't like come up and like automatically like tie themselves it's like a uh it's a oh that's not a good offer either I just got an offer on eBay that wasn't a good offer either, and I'm wondering if I should take it or not, but <laughs> um, I may end up taking that, but it isn't winter yet, and I think that those could actually sell for a bit more, but I'll have to see what I have listed at. Um, anyway, back to the Back to the Future thing. So Nike released the mags for Back to the Future. They were self-tying, and basically they were just straps that auto-adjusted and uh, tightened themselves based on your foot and stuff. So they were pretty cool and they were battery powered, really, really interesting. And recently within the last year, they've really ramped up that technology, brought the price down a considerable amount from what I think it would have been to buy it from Nike. It probably would have been thousands of dollars on uh, the past few years, but this year they're releasing these shoes still super pricey for a shoe, but think about it. It's 400 bucks for these shoes. They are auto adjusting to whatever your foot is to give you kind of the most comfortable feel. Now, I don't really know how heavy they're going to be. That This is the one thing, like, I don't get it because when you have a pair of running shoes, you have a pair of basketball shoes, you want them to be light. You want to be on your feet. You want to be very light on your feet. And when I got the Auto Adapt Maxes, uh, the Air Max edition of this shoe, if you will, they were not that light. At least in my opinion, they weren't light. And I may be recalling the wrong pair of shoes, but I remember them being pretty heavy and I didn't think much of it at the time. I was like, oh, these are battery powered. These are so cool. But thinking about it, I'm like, who would ever run in super heavy shoes? Like that, that would be the most uncomfortable shoe to run in because it feels like you're running with cinder blocks on your feet. And it, like, who cares if they're auto adjusting for the shoelaces? That doesn't matter if they're not uh, optimized for the activity you're going to do in them. So I was a little bit skeptical of these, but I checked the prices on StockX. They didn't look that good, but there was a pair of Jordan 35s coming out. And Jordan's Jordan releases a new shoe every year, right? It's the way that they do things. They improve the previous model, or so they say. And most of the years, it ends up coming out with a better model than the previous year. This year's model looks a little bit weird. I was looking a little bit at the construction of the shoe. Nike on the sneakers app had a really small little blurb about some of the construction of it. I would actually be really interested to look into that and see what it is, see why they have some of the designs in it that they do. Because a lot of us, we sit there and we think, oh, that shoe looks ridiculous. Or they did that weird design. Why did they do that design? And I used to watch whenever I was younger, like whenever I was in high school, I would watch a lot of basketball shoe reviews. I don't know why. I just thought they were super interesting. They were always, there were these two guys on YouTube. I don't remember what their names were, but they were just these two dudes who were fairly athletic, very, very good with a basketball. And they somehow worked out all these deals through building up their YouTube channel that like Foot Locker and East Bay and stuff would send them pairs of shoes and Nike would send them pairs of shoes. They would test them out on the court and then rate them. And it was cool because you would get to see before you bought a shoe, what the pros and cons of that shoe were from somebody who actually knew what they were doing in it. So I, I would encourage you if you're going to buy a pair of basketball shoes for personal use, I, I would encourage you to look up reviews on YouTube about them because there are some really, really in-depth reviews and good content on it that you could really learn a lot about the shoe before you buy it and these guys were really good at what they did i don't know why they stopped doing it or if they still do it but i learned a lot and what i found is they would talk about the things on the shoe that i thought were weird or that stood out to me the the design if you and i looked at what they were talking about they were pointing to the things that looked weirdly designed 
that stood out on the shoe, and they said basically that that part of the shoe was for like heel balance or that part of the shoe was for grip or that part of the shoe was to keep your foot locked in or or whatever and basically everything on each of these pairs of shoes was for a certain reason and that had never occurred to me I wasn't in engineering school I, I never really considered that but when you look at something it's designed for a reason Nike is one of the better companies at design out there because they're pure they're, they are their sneakers are all designed. That's exactly what they are. So you need to make them look good with the uh, the I guess the uh, very practical use. I guess is, is how I would put it. They have to be practical, but they also have to look good. And Nike does a great job with the looks, and they also do a good job with them being practical as well. If you're buying like the newer models, if you're buying a Jordan One for basketball, you're not going to be you're not going to be doing very well but uh, you know if you're buying one of these newer pairs of shoes that are, are optimized for current basketball and optimized for the court and stuff they are really good at what they do and they put these weird design features in that you look at them and you go that shoe is uglier that shoe looks weird but there is something about the thing that you don't like about that shoe that makes that shoe a good basketball shoe most of the time some of the shoes just suck but uh, most of the time they are designed for a reason which is something that never occurred to me um, growing up because you look at these shoes and you just you just see a shoe and you don't realize oh that part there that keeps your foot from slipping out of the shoe or that part there keeps your foot from twisting and rolling your ankle or whatever and so for me I never really had considered that and when you look at these Jordan 35s they have some weird features on it that are meant to keep your foot from being able to slip side to side, being able to roll, and they're always supposed to be improving these things. So when they get more weird looking, it's probably because they have a better idea that they think that they could improve on how your foot sits. Now, it's not always the case, but they're trying. So um, regardless, that's a tangent about the Jordan 35s um, and, and them improving each year. But the, the main point is Jordan releases this shoe every year, and they... They release a new iteration, last year was the 34, this year is the 35, and they usually don't resell that well. Now, I've sold them a couple times before, back when I was in college, they had a pair of Jordan 29 Hairs, 29, uh, I don't know if I was in college yet, I may have been in high school, they were either Jordan 29 or Jordan 30 Hairs that showed up at the outlets, they had a bunch of them, and I should have bought them out, because they were selling, they would have sold well on StockX, they were selling really well on eBay, and you were able to make like 60 bucks a pair. And so I ended up getting a couple pairs. They sold almost instantaneously on eBay and I made pretty good money on them. And they were a nice shoe. I remember the 29 being a nice shoe. I think it was the 29, it may have been a 30, I'm not sure yet. But they were a good looking shoe. They, they, they did really well, they were a nice basketball shoe. And uh, I sold those for profit. But other than that, I really haven't sold too many pairs of the Jordan-like uh, signature shoe for that year I haven't really sold too many of those because they're not really that resellable. I think like the the Bayou Boys that Zion released his his PE his first PE that came out that resold very well in the Jordan 34, and maybe a couple other Zion or Jason Tatum PEs. But unless it's like some weird personal edition of a really hyped up player, it's typically not selling that well. But I looked at this Jordan 35 and I thought it's a bread colorway. It's black and red, um, bread. And so that's really big. That's Chicago colors, if if you don't know. And anything that sells in Chicago colors is does really well because that's Jordan's colors that the Bulls have a very, very wide following due in part to Jordan and how good they were in the 90s. And there is a lot of a lot of 
people really like bread colorways. So I looked at it and said, this is a bread colorway. Now it's not called the Jordan 35 bread, but it was it was called the Warrior and it was black, red, and then a cement gray uh, sole and they look good. And so I said, uh, I don't know, the prices on StockX look decent. eBay prices look pretty good and I'm gonna go for it. So I didn't go all in. I didn't want a repeat case of the LeBron 17s where I bought literally, I think I bought eight pairs of them on accident. Um, I didn't think I'd get through on every one and it turns out they never sold out. So that was kind of a bummer, but I only went for them on two accounts and I didn't get a single pair, which I was really bummed out about. And looking at it, they sold out quick and they sold out of like almost every size. And I looked at the, I kind of like looked at the prices on eBay and they held. And so the shoe cost 180 bucks uh, retail and it was going for like 240 to 260 on eBay very easily today, which was a bit of a shock to me. I mean, that's an easy $50 profit. And after fees, and, and there's no fees on sneakers, but after like shipping and stuff, easy $50 profit. And I should have went for these things a full cent, but uh, I didn't really see too many people talking about them. And I really didn't think too much of it. I just figured, hey, maybe I'll get a pair and sell them and just make a quick 50 bucks. And, you know, I don't want to end up with a ton if they end up bricking. So, you know, you can always return them, but it still hits my bank account and stuff. I just don't like to do that. So, um, yeah, they ended up doing really well. It was kind of a bummer not to get them, but that just goes to show you don't always want to pay attention to just the hype shoes. I was looking on Instagram. Somebody's talking about this. Hype shoes are not everything. There are a lot of good shoes out there, and there are a lot of good models that you can sell. Um, just through either going to Ross, a Marshalls, and I don't do that much Ross and Marshalls anymore. I usually end up going once every week or two, but, um, you know, there are a lot of good shoes out there. There's a lot of people even go to like mall stores. They go to like Foot Locker, Foot Action. Um, what's the other one? Finish Line. They go to like Champs and like all these different shoe stores that have online stores, but they'll go in there and oftentimes they find phenomenal deals on shoes. I don't know why these mall like stores end up putting shoes down really low, but I mean like they're really low sometimes. I'm looking at people picking up pairs of Vans for $9.99 and they're good looking Vans. They're not like trash or anything. They're like skate highs for $9.99. It's very weird. So I would encourage you if you live by a mall, I'd go to that mall, see if they have any good shoes for sale because a lot of these mall stores end up putting shoes on super deep clearance. You can end up buying a bunch of them. They're not hype shoes, but what they are is shoes that have a consistent buyer um, buyer base that people always want those shoes. And those are better sometimes because volume can, can a lot of times trump hype. And what I'm saying is a lot of hype shoes will make you a lot of money. I make a lot of money on hype shoes. And every time I get them, like those Jordan unions, those will make me 600 bucks if I sold them right now. So it, those are a really, really good example of a hype shoe, but most hype shoes won't make you 600 bucks. They may make you 50 to 200 bucks. And that's great, but you may get one pair a month. A lot of people don't hit on sneakers that often. It's hard to hit on sneakers. So you don't get pairs that often. And what you end up finding is that um, it's a lot more consistent, a lot easier, and a lot more uh, business savvy to buy these shoes at volume and flip them that way, where you're buying maybe 10 pairs of uh, like that Westbrook shoe I bought. Not a good shoe to buy, but you can use that as an example. 10 pairs of those were there in stock on finish line. You found a great deal. You end up buying them. You use some cash back, whatever ends up happening. And you get them for, I don't know, I think I got them for like 80 bucks a pair. They're regularly 150 bucks a pair. So you can end up selling them, make like 50 bucks profit per pair if you were able to sell them for 150 bucks, free shipping, 
all the whole shebang, you know, you end up making like 50 bucks. That's a better model because yeah, you're doing more work, but you're going to be able to get those pairs a lot easier. And you're going to be able to get more of those pairs over time where you end up getting a pair of hype shoes that sells for a hundred bucks in a month and you don't end up hitting for three months. That's how a lot of this goes. And so it's difficult to work only on hype shoes. A lot of smart, savvy people in the shoe business will end up buying in bulk where they find a good deal on a pair and they know, hey, I can wait out on this. I can get it to sell. If it's flooded, I can wait. Um, and I'm gonna have a separate episode on that because that that whole Ross flooding thing triggers me to no end. But um, I just think so many people are missing the point with Ross floods. Like a flood at Ross means you buy the flood and you hold that until they sell out online and then you make bank. But you have to have some capital to do that. But like a lot of people don't understand that. And so any. I'm going to make a whole lot of another episode on that because it drives me nuts. But regardless, when you find these shoes, you can buy a lot of them and you can end up making a lot more money than just a pair of hype shoes. The unions are the exception. You don't end up making 600 bucks a pair that often. And that's hard to hit on those. It's very uncommon. It's very rare to hit on those. So what you end up hitting on is like 40, 50, $100 pairs, um, $100 profit pairs. And that's not sustainable. You need to find something that's more sustainable, which is what I'd like to do and what I'm working towards doing. And a lot of that comes from if you're going to stay in shoes, buying shoes in bulk, buying shoes, not in bulk, like, I don't know, like a hundred pairs, but you know, 10 pairs, right? You're buying more than one pair. You find a good deal. You end up using all the perks you can cash back, cash back on a credit card, Rakuten, they are running a sale. Like Adidas ran a 30% off sale the other day and I think they're still running one. Use that, whatever you can to bring the price down as low as you can, get your average cost of goods down super low and then sell those for 50 bucks profit a pair. You end up making 500 bucks on the whole thing if you buy 10 pairs. So that's what you're looking for. There's plenty of opportunities to do that. There's a lot of people that end up doing that. Uh, There's a lot of smart people on Instagram and stuff that sell shoes that way and make a ton of money on it. So that is a way, if you're looking to do shoes and you like doing shoes that is a way to do shoes a little bit more sustainably and then hey you know you get some sneakers accounts you go for the sneakers uh, on nike when they release and hey you get them great you just doubled your your profit for the week or hey you don't get them fine then you just keep it moving so you know just keep up with that that would be a good way to keep sneakers in your inventory and be able to make money on them if you enjoy that and that's really one of the best ways to do it so Uh, With that being said, I'm going to go, but you guys have a good rest of your Wednesday. I will get with you tomorrow on Thursday for another podcast. Have a good one. Peace.